They have two different cultures. There are two different cultures. Uh, one are Aztecs and the other are Mayas. And, and, and so just based on that, imagine what, how, how different they are. It's, it's two, two different things. And uh, being Caribbean is not the same thing as being, the being uh, uh, South, from South America. And, and, and you know, it's, it's the mentality, the, the cosmogony of being a Latino, it's complicated. It's very diverse. And, and there are people who have no clue about, about that. So when, you, when, you, when you're trying to do mission among Latinos, if you don't have those things as a reference to, to, to guidelines for, for you, to, you know, to depart from, it's, you know, you're, you're digging in, 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 the wrong, in the wrong hole because it, it won't lead you to go that far. Something like, for example, uh, Latinos are going through a process of Americanization, what we call Americanization. We all, in, because of we're living in, uh, within a dominant culture, we are facing that daily. We're going through that struggle every day. And, and so people don't understand that dynamic, the, the inner dynamic of being uh, a culture within another culture. And, and that's a, a complication there. And also, we Latinos, we become also what we call a community of resistance. It's because we're trying to preserve our culture, living in a dominant, in a <coughs> living in a dominant culture, in, 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 a, in a different culture, and we're trying to preserve that. It's like you know the the the, the uh, uh, Jews that w were went to to Babylon for a, for a, for a, in, in the exile in Babylon. They they preserved the law, the Torah in such a way because by doing that they were preserving their own culture. Well, that's what Latinos are doing here in this country. I never, I never use the flag of my country for anything. Here I use it. I have it posted in, in my walls, in my house. How come? It's because this is a way of resisting the, the culture because I want to preserve that for my, as a legacy for my, my, own, my own family, my, my daughters. I want to keep that as a value, as something you know important to 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 you know to to have it there. And um, this is a, this is a phenomenon, it's a socio-cultural phenomenon that is obviously taking place within a, a different culture. So that's the second fact. We're not really used to do that as Lutherans. We we need to learn. We need to learn how to do that. How to be more sensible to different cultures, because we're not really into that. We, haven't, we don't have the exposure like other uh, groups who have been more open and more welcoming in, in the process of you know, integrating new groups um, to, their, to their branches. The third uh, factor that I would like to, to, to present is what we call that the Lutheran, Lutherans has become a dominant, a dominant uh, religious culture a dominant religious culture. Obviously, uh, when, when minorities come into the Lutheran Church, uh, the, 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 the status quo, the, 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 the uh, uh, how we call this technically, um, the, the, existing, the existing group is a culture. It, they represent a dominant religious culture for those who are coming the newcomers, the, 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 the ones who are just getting into the, the, the church. And because of that, uh, consciously or unconsciously, the, the influence of that group 
over the minorities will, will happen, will take place. It's, it's, it's normal. It, it, that will happen in any group, no matter, no matter, no matter if it's um, religious or, or not, it will happen. I mean, that's just part of the dynamic of being humans and how we you know, process and, and how we express and how we communicate our values, our principles of life, our cosmovision, cosmogony, you name it. All those things are integrated um, in, 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 through a way of, of you know, exchanging our ideologies. And there is a predominant ideology, a predominant culture that the Lutheran uh, represent. But what happened with it is um, uh, that um, I was reading, for example, uh, Richard Niebuhr, a classic book uh, called The Social Sources of Denominationalism in America, where he referred to the Lutheran Church. And what he says is not very, you know, it's not eloquent. Uh, what he says is, we're the least cosmopolitan church. And what, what he means by that, I mean, that's, this is, this is a, a nice, uh, fancy way of saying we're racist. But, but what he's really saying is, well, you know what? We're not really into bringing people from outside our own culture within the church. We're not interested. Yeah, obviously, this is a book from the, the 50s, late 50s. But still today, I can grasp it. I can see that. I can see that. We're, we're, we're sense to God, we're moving, we're, we're improving, we're making changes. And, and, and yes, more people are, you know, uh, are, are getting there, are, you know, uh, walking the, the right path. And so we're moving on. But however, there's, there, there are more, more things that need to be done in order to, to be a friendly church uh, for those who are not from the same origin, same culture, same tradition, same language. We, we, I mean, we all know that the churches, the Lutheran churches in America, not too far ago, were basically a federation of ethnic Lutheran groups. The Norwegians, the Sweden, the Danish, the that, and that, you know, everybody has their own synod. And, and, and that, that is why, you know, we, you cannot attract anybody else except those who belong to your own culture. Those who are, you know, uh, those who came from the same country and, are, and because of that, who are able to speak the same language. So, so imagine. Uh, so, it, it was because of the insistence of, 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 of changing that dynamic that, that the church has been, uh, you know, developing a new way of, you know, organizing itself. But not too far ago, we have ethnic synods, European ethnic synods. And, and basically, the, the Lutheran church in America, not too far ago, was basically a chaplaincy for people who came from Germany and, and Sweden and, and, and Finland and, and you name it, those, you know, Scandinavian countries. So it's a reality. It's not, it's not something that I'm just making up. It, it's, it's, it's a reality of who we are and, and our tradition and our mistakes, and, and we have to face it and we have to, go, you know, to, to, to move away from um, denial and, and, and face it. This is, this, is, this is something that we need to recognize. It's part of our scenes as, 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 a, as a denomination, as, as a group of uh, people who share the same confession. We need to admit this is something we have done, consciously or consciously. <clears throat> that's not the point. The point is it, it's, it's done. We, we have been doing that.
for, for too long, and it's time for us to move on. Uh, three, maybe four years ago, I, I wrote um, an article called The Stepchildren of Martin Luther. And the Stepchildren of Martin Luther's article basically to tell the, the, our um, Anglo colleagues about how we Latinos feel living in a dominant religious culture. How, how annoying it is to, to listen to, to jokes about, you know, being a genuine Lutheran, it's, it's being, you know, Scandinavian. And, and how, you know, this is, this is something, you, you hear that from pulpits, from, from jokes, from, from uh, I mean, every, pretty much everywhere. It, it's something that makes you believe that, well, since I'm not a Scandinavian, since I'm not German, since I'm not that, then I can never be a, a genuine Lutheran because there is no way I can change my culture, my identity, my, my citizenship just to, to be a, a genuine, totally genuine Lutheran. That's, that's impossible. So we Latinos feel like we are the stepchildren of Martin Luther. And, and by, by, by making this, uh, by writing this uh, article, I was trying to, to raise conscience among you know, colleagues to understand the dynamic of, of that. It, it, is, it is very important for us, you know, the Lutheran Church, to, to understand that, that the values of a given culture is not necessarily what identify me as a Lutheran. It has nothing to do with that. And let me tell you, I've been in Germany, I've been in Denmark, I've been in, in Sweden, and the, Luth the Lutheranism I met there, I don't like it at all. So if that is what it means to be Lutheran, I don't want to be one. Because that church is dead. That call, it's, I don't want that to be duplicated in any way, in any form. I don't want that to happen. And I don't want to be one of those. You see what I'm trying to say? So because of that, I think we need to reinvent what it means to be Lutheran. What, what it, how could we you know, shape uh, a Latino Lutheranism. We need to take uh, that, that, that uh, issue seriously because, because it's important since, since this is, this is the, the paradigm that is going to be present the second half of this century. We better start working on toward that because uh, that's, that's, that's going to be in place very soon. And, and so this is crucial. This is very, very much important for us to consider. Fourth, uh, something else that I consider a factor that is an inhibitor in welcoming, welcoming uh, other ethnic groups to be part of our church is the fact that we Lutherans are very, are theologically arrogant. We're theologically arrogant. And you know what I mean by that is that we think we have the best theology in the world, and maybe we have it. But the fact that we just, you know, are so arrogant about that, that it's, it prevents us from uh, exchanging, from learning from other groups, from enrich our theology with, you know, new, new information, new uh, facts, new uh, um, details. And, uh, and, and not only that, but um, what happens is we just, you know, 
create a hermetical uh, system where we try to preserve our theology that much and, and, and not, to, not to expose it in, in, in any different way that uh, we just uh, make it a, an idol, idolatry to our own theology. You know, we think our theology is, is it doesn't nothing to be changed. Sometimes, I mean, I, I, I sometimes think about Lutherans that, you know, the, the Bible may be wrong, but not the Lutheran theology. I mean, we get to that point so where we are, you know, willing to admit there is something wrong with the scripture, but not with our theology. I mean, we're so arrogant. We're so arrogant in the way we conceive what we have, our confessions and so on that sometimes we look at other branches of Christianity and it says, oh, there's nothing they have to tell me or teach me. I have nothing to get from there. I have nothing to learn from those groups because I have the best theology. And imagine what happened when, with that type of attitude, you know, the minorities come. That's what the church do. The church, the church is doing exactly that. It's saying, well, you know what? We have the classic theology. And what you have is a contextual theology. And we start discriminating between classic and contextual. There is not such a thing like a contextual. Every theology is contextual. Because the theology that was made by, by Martin Luther in the 16th century was contextual for, for, for Germany. He was, he was facing uh, real people with real faces and he was responding to a, a concrete, tangible reality in his own time. So it was contextual for him. Don't tell me that there is such a thing like a universal classic theology. Please. It doesn't work like that. But the arrogant, we're so arrogant the way we present Lutheran theology that we make the minorities believe and Latinos believe you have no contribution to making their theology. The only thing you have to do is memorize it. But don't change anything here. Don't, don't even intend, attempt to touch it because it's not going to happen. So what it means is the reflection, the theological reflection to a Latino theology, a Latino Lutheran theology, it's, it's denied. It's impossible. It's forbidden. It's because, basically because this arrogant attitude that we have in, in our theology. In, in, in the, the, the Green Book, um, Conceptos Essentialis, I wrote a parable that God gave me about the, this uh, theologically arrogant attitude of we Lutherans. And um, the parable has to do with, um, with a man who was, you know, uh, doing everything uh, possible in order to find the best grape in the world, the, the best uh, type of grape, so he can make a, the best wine out of that, that uh, type of grape. And, you know, he insisted over and over and over many years into that until finally he was able to produce best grape and obviously best wine ever. But what happened? This man started producing those, a lot of that wine, but he was so good that this man get, became an alcoholic. It was so <laughs> into his <laughs> discovery that he was just drinking the whole thing for himself. This is exactly what happened to the Lutheran church. 
Exactly the same thing happened to the Lutheran Church. We're so into our theology, we just love it so much that we get drunk with it. And we're unable to do anything with, with that theology. You know who is implementing Lutheran theology? Pentecostals. The common priesthood of all believers. We invented. We have, we have the, you know, we have the register, we register the, 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 the invention, but we never implement it. They are the ones using our Lutheran theology. They are the ones who are making happen. We have it in books, yes. We have beautiful books, libraries, full of books. Because for us, theology is an intellectual exercise. It's just curiosity. It's, 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 it's something that we do for, you know, making more books. But for a lot of people, theology is praxis. It's, it's what they do for, for the new way of expressing, materializing their faith, their confession, they bring it into practice. They make it tangible, they make it concrete. And, you know, they're becoming rich with what we invented. That's, that's, that's because we are so arrogant. And what happened is Latinos feel that. The only thing you can do here is don't, don't bring your Latinos thinking into here, just memorize it and just reproduce it. Just memorize it and, and reproduce it. In your own language, yes, but just the same thing. Don't try to change any word, don't, don't misplace things, because that's not going to work. And then the last factor that I would like you to have in mind, it's, um, it's that we misunderstood, we Lutherans, we misunderstood what Martin Luther was trying to uh, teach us about the adiaphoras the adiaphoras. Sometimes we think that adiaphoras, it's something that, um, um, you know, we're so sometimes very, uh, um, we're not used to do it and we're not, uh, we think it's too risky to, to, do, to do it. Luther was using it then, uh, you know, openly because he, he knew, he knew that uh, uh, the Aphoras work for the betterment of the church and in order to improve the life and the mission of the church. And that, that is why, I mean, in first place, the, the Reformation wouldn't have in place if it's not because he was thinking that it's necessary to, to change things. I mean, just think about that. I mean, just the Reformation wouldn't happen ever. It's because Luther was fully convinced that the Aphoras need to take place. It's, he opened up the whole thing. In, in 1526, he came with the German Mass. And, you know, sometimes we don't pay attention to the German Mass. But let me tell you this. One of the most important contributions of the 16th century Reformation was that small piece called the German Mass. Because he introduced, he allowed uh, a vulgar, a, a, uh, a vernacular uh, language to be used to replace Latin. And, and this, this was a major change in his time. And not to mention the, the many hymns he, he composed and, and, and the, the type of music he introduced inside the church and, and this and that. It was, I mean, innovating the whole thing. It was not, uh, uh, um, uh, it was not uh, how we say this, um, uh, uh, anyway, it was very open to use those uh, adiaphoras. And the only thing Luther says is, we never should allow 
adiaphoras to obscure any religious practice should obscure the message of the gospel, the centrality of the gospel. But you know what is the problem we have today, Lutherans? Is that what we understand is, Luther says, the centrality of our tradition, the message of our tradition. And we preserve our tradition to the point that our churches are museums of the 16th century. If you want to go back in time to the 16th century, go to a Lutheran church. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You just go back in time in Europe and you just, wow. It's quite a, a weird experience to be in, in, in a place like that. Because we don't change. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it will be something diabolic to change the things. But this is crazy. I, I, I remember, you remember the movie Bobby Jones, this famous uh, golfer player. Um, the ball came into one of those big ho uh, sand holes and, and he's trying to get the ball out and you know, fighting with it and it hit the ball and the ball connected the, 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 the wall, the sand, the, the wall of sand and he's not able to, to go forward. And he tried many times and somebody get near to him and says, listen Bobby, you know what madness is? Madness is to do the same thing even when you know what the results are going to be. Madness. This is what we do every Sunday morning. This Mass is not bringing anybody else at the church. We keep it, we just say it every Sunday. That's madness. I mean, it's not working for anybody, but we keep on doing it. Because it's madness. Just for the sake of the tradition, for the sake of our heritage, for the sake of our legacy, for the sake of I don't know who. We're keeping something that is not working. And we're not willing to open up to new adiaphoras. It's because we're, that's the only thing we, need, we know how to do well. And we're comfortable with, with, with that. And, or the other possibility, it's complete, complete madness. We're, we're completely, we lost our, our ability to think beyond that, that, that uh, element. I don't know exactly what is exactly the stage where we are, but I know this is wrong. This is completely wrong. I, I don't want to leave you only with the wrong things because I know I have the ability to, to say many things about that. Uh, even Jesus used the adiaphoras. The first miracle of our Lord in Cana is an adiaphora. I mean, wine is not good for preaching the gospel in any way. I mean, wine, what do you need wine for? I mean, wine is not even a, uh, something you need, it's an imprison, imprison, indispensable for, for, for daily life. I mean, you, can, you need uh, uh, bread, you need other things, but wine, you can live without wine for the rest of your, your life. Well, how come Jesus made a miracle of, of wine?